What's with Mountain Dew? Mountain Dew is like a zipline of incredible flavor directly into your brain. Mountain Dew is like getting punched in the mouth with pure neon refreshment that creates a neural explosion sending flavor shards of electric brain pulses into your very core of being. Okay, maybe that's a little over the top, but you get the idea. The fact is, the mind-bending challenge of describing the taste of Mountain Dew is way harder than just experiencing it. That, of course, is easy. Just grab an ice-cold dew, crack it open, and toss them back. Mountain Dew. Do the dew. Hear that? Is that America cheering? Or a sausage patty sizzling to perfection? It's time to cheer for Egg McMuffin and fresh cracked eggs at McDonald's. It's time to wake up to the aroma of freshly baked biscuits and treat yourself to a real honest-to-goodness morning meal. Breakfast, it's on at McDonald's. Now enjoy a large iced coffee for just two bucks and a breakfast sandwich to make a meal. Prices and participation may vary. Cannot be combined with any other offer or combo meal. The cannabis industry is evolving at a radical pace, progressing toward the green peak. Each week, join Richard Zwicky, a cannabis visionary and entrepreneur, as he interviews experts from around the globe to discuss updates and evolutions in the world of cannabis. Let's make that climb together up the The green Green peak Peak. with your host, Richard Zwicky. All right. Hello, everybody. I'm Richard Zwicky with The Green Peak. And uh, today joining us, we have John Ruiz, who is the executive president and CEO of MedCan, um, which is a medical cannabis company in uh, Colombia. And John, you've, uh, you've had an interesting journey getting to MedCan, uh, both within the industry, but also from, you know, born in uh, Bilbao, Spain, which is actually one of my favorite regions of Spain and then migrating to uh, Colombia over the years with uh, Philip Morris um, and with other companies along the way, you've seen a lot of transitions in the, uh, in the way the industry is viewed. What drove you to become involved uh, so early in the industry in Colombia? Uh, hi, Richard. Uh, in fact, it was an invitation I received from uh, Farbacielo back in 2015, um, and they were interested in uh, me helping them to open up a regulatory framework in uh, Colombia, given that uh, I had uh, landed in, uh, in the country in Colombia in 2006 uh, to integrate uh, a big investment that Philip Morris made uh, at the time. And then uh, I had the chance to, to head the largest newspaper group, which was founded by uh, former President Santos' family, and therefore, uh, Farmacielo felt that they was close enough to support them in this uh, journey on setting up the regulatory framework. Yeah, and your, uh, your experience at uh, Farmacielo has been uh, really amazing for the development of the industry. Uh, generally, I'm, I always look back and I remember on December 17 of 2017, uh, there was a press release that Farmacielo had done its first commercial planting. Uh, of a medical cannabis crop, and that was the same day that I signed the paperwork to uh, to incorporate Plena, and uh, so those are tied together. Now, over the last now two years, obviously, Pharmacielo has made a lot of uh, hay in the market um, with regards to being a leader out of Colombia, and uh, in terms of the first one to have planted commercially, and then some of the work they've done going forward. And then you've you've uh, headed off and are doing something similar with MedCan. How 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 is MedCan looking different 
from what you did at Pharmacy Yellow and what it's trying to tackle or do? Well, that's a very good question. Uh, obviously, it's just uh, subject to, to, to see how the market evolves. But we felt that uh, there was a different alternative on, on, on growing in Colombia, uh, different to uh, greenhouses. And basically, the analysis we made at the time was we anticipated that uh, CBD was going to commoditize uh, very fast and uh, that other cannabinoids uh, would follow the same path, but at a different uh, speed. So when, when one thinks on a, on a commodity, the first thing that comes uh, to one's mind is uh, low cost. Low cost uh, that in this case uh, is only granted by a, an opener uh, operation with uh, fast scalability at a very low cost because there is no capex associated to the greenhouse. Uh, our, um, let's say, project Medcan is uh, based on 100% uh, open air operation, uh, fully organic, uh, betting on, on, on this commoditization that we already witnessed in CBD. Yeah, and the, the commoditization, of course, is affecting people globally, much more on the CBD side than the THC side, which is still so early in the adoption curve, especially in you know the medical cannabis space. It is a different beast than the adult use or recreational space. And we're, and we're seeing that. And as uh, companies that are supplying the world from Colombia, that presents tremendous opportunities. Now, you know, you and I had lunch about three weeks ago down in Bogota, and we were talking about how industry and the government are collaborating, talking together, looking at constantly ways to improve working together. But the impact of the cannabis industry on the local economy in uh, LATAM really hasn't been discussed a lot. And, you know, I don't know where you're at Plena. We're uh, trending down and looking, uh, we're getting down below 10 cents a gram on production costs now. Uh, for where we are, but that is um, that's a huge rationale for developing the industry in that equatorial region. But then there's the impact on the local economy where every one of our facilities is being built. How is how are local officials dealing with you differently than they would have dealt with you back in tobacco or in other industries you've been encountering? Uh, I think that uh, everything starts, uh, Richard, and I think that uh, you have also witnessed it not only in Colombia but in other countries. It uh, only it, it, everything starts with uh, education, with information, because uh, what we have found is that uh, regulators and stakeholders, I mean, are lacking lots of information of what are we talking about and what's the potential that uh, this new industry could bring to a country like uh, Colombia. Uh, recently, we, we sponsored and we we uh, shared with the public opinion a, a, a very interesting uh, study that three former ministers of Colombia made about the potential that uh, this industry could have to the country. And their conclusion is that uh, the, the employment uh, generated the potential, a uh, number of employment uh, uh, generated in rural areas where have uh, suffered in the past uh, all the conflict that Colombia has gone through uh, is just uh, outstanding. I mean, there has not been, according to their analysis, uh, another uh, opportunity like uh, cannabis uh, in the generation of this uh, 
number of uh, employments, but uh, also in the generation of, uh, of a very significant uh, impact in the economy through taxes, but also uh, putting back the exports into the positive uh, side, because as you know, Colombia has been suffering an export crisis for the last decade. Also, so the potential not only for Colombia but for Latin America is just uh, great, uh, especially in those countries that have the privilege to uh, be play located in in the in the equator and therefore uh, having access to a very low cost of production. We believe that uh, in the future we are going to be closer to to the one cent or to the ten cents in 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 line with the increased demand. We are expecting to receive in general, not only Metcan, but the whole industry. I mean, we're going to see, uh, I believe, uh, prices, CBD prices uh, going really, really down. Uh, and therefore, uh, the, the production cost uh, needs to follow that trend. Uh, as you said, I, we believe that uh, maybe THC is going to be uh, less of a commoditized uh, product in the next couple of years, mainly because there are still... Uh, I don't think it's only a question of adoption, but also there are plenty of export barriers uh, because of its uh, psychoactive uh, nature. But uh, as uh, as uh, new countries, especially the U.S., opens up or agrees on a path to depenalize it at the federal level, we believe that also THC in terms of exporting is going to be facilitated. It's never going to be as easy as CBD but it won't be as difficult as it is today, we believe. Yeah, and let's come back to that a bit uh, in, a, in a couple of minutes after the break here. But, you know, there is definitely a discussion of uh, the change in price, the global markets around CBD vis-a-vis THC is there, and it's worth, uh, worth considering. There's also a difference, of course, between the materials where uh, production that you and I are focused in is around medical uh, cannabis, uh, you know, high CBD and high THC strains, uh, which is different than where a lot of the international production has been coming from around hemp and what that means to the patient. And that's, uh, that's an important factor also in discussions with, uh, with government officials, but also to the world market. So we'll come back to that in a moment after the break. I'm Richard Zwicky with uh, Greenpeak. And with me today is John Reese from MedCam. The Green Peak will climb back into your podcast player after we play some messages from our sponsors. Hey, take a look at this. They're selling smart pots. <laughs> they have pot that can make you smart? Where is it? Not that kind of pot. Smart pots are the best aeration container to grow your plants. Check this out. This is the original fabric container for faster producing, healthier plants. They're made with a superior fabric that delivers high yields. Plus, smart pots are reusable and sustainable, so you can use them over and over again, no matter if you use them indoor or outdoor. That's very smart, but how good are they for the environment? Smart pots are BPA free and lead free, so you'll always be able to ensure a pure, clean grow, and they're 100% made in the US. Over 28 million smart pots have already been sold, so it seems like a smart investment. Look for smart pots in close to 2,000 garden centers throughout North America and ask for the original fabric container. Find a store near you or order yours online at smartpots.com. Elevate your every day with that Shuggies feeling with the sweet taste of Shuggies. Add a cup of Shuggies to your morning coffee. Ah, how sweet it is. Shuggies infuses cannabis and cane sugar to make it the perfect sweetener with benefits. 
Make your happy hour happier with a dunk of Shuggies in your drink. Order your Shuggies now at s-h-o-o-g-i-e-s dot com or find it in dispensaries throughout California. Whenever you crave a little sweet, pick up Shuggies, the sweet, sweet, take-anywhere treat. Oh, let the marijuana llama tell you something now About a game for your phone gonna make you say Wow! The game's about the game of growing cannabis for cash Grow the seeds, sell the bud, put the savings in the stash Little by little your empire grows large Put the big celebrities inside your entourage You can choose to play with Snoop or me or Cheech and Chong Cypress Hill, Willie Nelson, Wiz Khalifa with a bong The name of the game is Himping, that's the point Download and play while you light yourself a joint Business and cannabis should be no crime. Hemp Inc. is even hot proved by the man who run high times. Oh yeah, get it on Android and I and iOS today. Marijuana Llama out. Got to tend to me on crops, you know. Money don't make itself. Hemp Inc. Climbing our way up, up, up to the Cannabis Summit of Success. Cannabis Radio is back with more of the Green Peak. All right, and we're back on the Green Peak. I'm Richard Zwicky with Planet Global, and uh, joining me today is John Reese from MedCan. And John, just before the break, we were talking a bit about, and we'll come back to some more about the impact on local economy, but one piece of uh, that you were touching upon that a lot of the industry is, of course, looking at and investors are looking at and the business community at the development of the industry where we see you know, the, the growth potential in the market continues to go up. Where is that ceiling? I uh, was speaking with Brent Zettel recently, and he's talking about over $250 billion a year in ceiling. And that's dramatically up from the $63 billion that people were talking about as little as 18 months ago. And that's as the, you know, the world markets really come to recognize and understand and grapple with the adoption curve that's already in place and moving from the black or gray markets into the legal markets and the, the segmentation between medical and recreational. But one of the things that we're seeing in the market today, which is affecting everybody and investors need to be really mindful of in terms of what are they investing in and its real long-term potential is the difference between CBD from hemp versus from cannabis and all of the other compounds that are found in the cannabis plant, which have uh, benefits that go far beyond what you get from hemp. And hemp is really a substitute to the uh, products you can get from cannabis itself. You, your business is focused entirely towards the production of cannabis and not at all towards hemp. Um, has there been any consideration of looking at hemp or do you look at it purely as being cannabis is really where the market needs to go and should go and will go? We believe uh, we're just uh, focused uh, on cannabis uh, right now. Especially because there are there are no seed uh, st- sorry hemp strains um, adapted to the equator. Uh, you can find plenty of uh, of uh, cannabis strains, but not uh, hemp strains. So it's going to take some time until we have good genetics to develop uh, hemp projects. But we are uh, focused on, on on medicinal and and we we believe as you do that uh, the full profile that cannabis brings plays a very important role in, in the medicinal aspect. Um, now, the, 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 the market is going to, of course, uh, see a, a demand, a huge uh, amount of volume for CBD that can be a combination of uh, CBD supply from uh, cannabis, so from cannabis or from hemp, uh, especially when 
new categories kick in uh, at full speed, let's say, like uh, nutritional, nutraceuticals, uh, some drinks or, 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 or even veterinary. Uh, so w we believe that it's going to be space for both supplies, hemp and uh, cannabis. We are focused on cannabis for the time being. Yeah, I think, I mean, as you touched upon, the industry in Colombia as a whole is overall focused on uh, cannabis. Although I do hear every now and again, people come and approach me about the fact that they're looking at hemp or doing hemp, and I scratch my head about it uh, because the yields are so low vis-a-vis -vis what you get out of cannabis. And cannabis, you can, manu you can you know, isolate over 100 different compounds which have medical value versus, you know, hemp, which is, you know, one trick pony, um, yeah. in comparison, <clears throat> but, yeah. you know, and, and the medical industry itself is so dependent on a full spectrum to really address the medical conditions that are out there. How, um, you know, but taking a step into a different direction, we talked briefly about impact on the local economy, um, and job creation. You know, in the industry worldwide, when you factor in um, the various aspects, you generally end up with about 40 employees per hectare. And that includes lab personnel for processing, administrative personnel for helping manage, as well as the workers who are working with the plant. Are you seeing it developing any differently with your, you know, your facilities, which are purely outdoor grow uh, in the medical focus versus what people have to go through in other markets? Uh, we, we are looking at uh, and at a very and uh, very significant uh, uh, social impact. And, and just to pick an example, today we we have the project uh, based in a in a cattle, uh, let's say, land. Okay, we pay seven times more than what a cowboy receives uh, doing the same job, less hours uh, because they are uh, working only forty hours a week. Uh, and uh, and uh, that means a, a complete uh, revolution in that area because obviously we're talking about sustainable and formal jobs, okay? If you combine then uh, our strategy with the lowest cost uh, possible, this means hiding uh, large uh, pieces of land that you can think of mechanizing both the sowing and the harvesting then you can ensure the lowest cost possible. That's going to be combined in our case with a very compelling social impact by which we're going to hire a couple, let's say uh, many couples of, uh, of small growers. And we acknowledge that that, uh, uh, let's say, cost is going to be ineffective compared to the uh, bigger, uh, let's say, lands, okay? But uh, we believe that we need to have that... Uh, that employment generated through our project indirectly uh, in order to, to, to have a very sustainable and, let's say, healthy operation in, in Colombia. That's the way we are looking at uh, how can we ensure the low cost uh, of production possible, I mean, in, 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 certainly in Colombia and hopefully in the world, but, uh, but without forgetting that we need to have a very sound uh, social impact. And, and this social impact, it's not in, in the sense of how much do I give away the, the local community, but how many jobs can I create uh, in that same local community? Yeah, and that's that actually the job creation and the social impact is something 
I find most people underestimate, but it actually even goes back a bit further. You know, whenever I tell people that I'm going down to Colombia or have the operation in Colombia, one of the first questions people get and that come to me in North America is, is it safe? And I look at them almost incredulously because, you know, Narcos isn't TV, isn't reality uh, for the world today. Um, but those, uh, that mindset is something people have to adapt and lose because, I mean, Colombia's economy is incredibly strong vis-a-vis the rest of LATAM. The growth is stronger. And with economic stability, you always have better social stability and political stability. And, uh, you know, one of the, one of the most interesting things that was pointed out to me was our job creation and uh, community relations is symbiotic with strong security because when it's the, when it's your backyard business, everybody takes care of it. Absolutely. What are the perceptions you're running across as you go through that? Because of course you're operating, you know, we're operating right near Bogota. You're four hours from Bogota. Um, yes, uh, we're like 150 kilometers away. Right, and uh, to the south. How how are you seeing that differently, or is per- perception different where you are vis-a-vis where we are? Well, uh, security in Colombia is always a must. Okay, uh, and uh, and I agree with you. That doesn't mean that the country is unsafe. I mean, I've been around since 2006. I became, in fact, a Colombian national proudly in 2010. And I've been everywhere, literally everywhere, and I never had even the minimum feeling of uh, of being unsafe. Okay, but but certainly cannabis and and security are two worlds that need to be together, and 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 we all need to be uh, extremely well aware on on where are we operating and what type of product are we operating, or what's the perception of that product among certain individuals. In our case. One of the biggest investments we made at the beginning was to hire a company called uh, Control Risk. Pretty expensive, I would say, but very good uh, in, 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 in the sense of uh, them assessing if we could locate the project where we are in, in Llanos Orientales, in the eastern part of Colombia. And uh, uh, they, get, they gave us, obviously, certain provisions which we had to follow. And since, since day one uh, till now, we never had an issue, especially because we had a very positive landing in the municipality. Uh, the community welcomed us extremely positively uh, uh, because obviously they felt they, this project is going to bring wealth to the to the community. And uh, in fact, I can say that uh, he's, he's now he's out of the office because there, there were elections a couple of months ago, but. Uh, the mayor was uh, our first uh, service of employment because he knew everybody in uh, in in town so we have uh, we have made a, we have built a very sound relation with the local authorities and uh, and again they are expecting and we are starting to meet as we get new contracts uh, they are expecting lots of jobs and, and we will meet their expectations We'll come back to some of those relations and the governmental changes over uh, in the next segment after the break. Um, thank you for listening with uh, Green Peak, and we'll be back in a moment with John Ruiz from uh, MedCan. The Green Peak will climb back into your podcast player after we play some messages from our sponsors. 
Fetch your earbuds and stay tuned for some pure pet care conversation. Hi, it's Angela Ardolino with It's a Dog's Life, and I have Hernanda Umana joining me. We're just both so fascinated with how much we've learned since we've been in this pet industry and creating an all-natural product. Because it's a dog's life. I am a huge fan of my guest today, Dr. Bob Goldstein. I have, in my experience, not seen many natural substances produce the results that CBD is producing in the animals that we are testing on. It's a Dog's Life with Angela Ardolino, only on Cannabis Radio. Let me welcome Nick Hexum from 311. We've never heard things like your music when it first came out. It's like to mix the reggae with the punk and all of that together was just such an unusual sound and and we loved it. We realized we're not going to copy what's on the radio. At the time, it was all grunge that was on the radio. And I said, let's just stick to what we know and wait for a culture to come around to us. Hey, it's Nick Hexum from 311, and you're listening to Cannabis Confidential with Dr. Dina on CannabisRadio.com. Doc Rob, the concierge for better living. Cannabis is just one of the many great plants that we have on this planet called Earth that we can use consciously and intelligently to improve our well-being. Take a real, raw, inside look at healthier living while sharing great ideas and improvements for a better quality of life. Learning to live and live well is a lifelong process. This is a journey. It could be you could be 80 years old or eight years old. You can still learn something that's gonna make tomorrow a little bit healthier, a little bit easier, a little bit happier, a little bit better. The concierge for better living with Doc Rob. Only on cannabisradio.com. Climbing our way up, up, up to the cannabis summit of success. Cannabis Radio is back with more of the Green Peak. All right. I'm Richard Zwicky with the Green Peak, and uh, we're back with John Ruiz from MedCan, uh, one of Columbia's uh, leading operators in the medical cannabis space. And John, before the break, we we're talking a bit about security, the importance of municipal relations. Now, you know, when I look at it and having gone through a lot of the facilities here in Canada that are where Health Canada and Medical Cannabis Certified, it's the security in some ways it's adapted for the, for the local reality. Where in Canada, you know, you've got these hermetically sealed boxes so they can grow 12 months out of the year, which you don't have a problem with in Colombia because of the proximity equator and the, the standard, uh, more standard climate environment throughout the year. But, you know, fencing, security, all of that is just as rigorous in many ways in Colombia as it is anywhere else. And there's good reasons for it. But one of the things that's, uh, you know, your impact, and you've been working with the industry through the association and industry relations with government over the last uh, few years, is some of the election transitions. And you mentioned the municipal elections that occurred just a few months ago and officials changing over. And that, of course, has an impact for every one of us. But then last fall, or uh, just before Christmas time, there was the uh, presidential elections in Colombia. And the new president came in, 
and people were concerned about where that mindset was going vis-a-vis the, uh, the industry, but also there's been a ton of changes in the ministries in Colombia. How, how do you see that playing out over the next 12 months? And do you see a real shift in how the government's approaching? Is it becoming more, are you, notice, are you more collaborative or are you looking at different barriers than you did prior? Well, uh, let's uh, put it like that. It has not been easy and I don't think it will uh, start being easy in the next couple of months and it's a pity, in fact. Um, uh, when I mentioned that we have sponsored this uh, study, the main objective of this study was to open, uh, let's say, the new government's eyes on the potential the country has uh, developing this industry and being one of the first equatorial countries to do so. Uh, we have uh, seen improvements uh, and we have felt improvements because, uh, as you know, Medcan got in August the first uh, quota to grow and process psychoactive uh, cannabis for export, which is the first time the government grants such a quota. Uh, it took them more than it should because we got the same quota rejected, I mean, to a very naive reason, but uh, it was rejected in April. So it took some time until the government understood that they also had to follow the law to start with and uh, that the opportunity was just enormous for, for the country. So it has not been an easy transition from, from the past government that was responsible of the development of all the regulatory framework into the new one, especially knowing that the new one is more right-wing oriented. Uh, but we've seen, uh, let's say, some movements that uh, at least uh, makes us have some hope that uh, if uh, we behave, I mean, the licensees behave uh, uh, properly in terms of following the, the law, uh, we can expect some more uh, speed from, from the government side. What I'm not sure is all the licensees are, let's say, willing to follow the the regulatory framework and and we need we we certainly need to have a very uh, serious and professional set of licenses in the country because if we have a black sheep i mean we will all suffer those that are trying that we're trying to develop a proper industry and doing things right we will suffer so uh, i mean we all need to help the government on the understanding of what are we talking about i mean you mentioned medical trials, and that's what we're talking about. We're not talking about joints. And that's something very important for the government to, to understand. I always uh, use an example, Richard, uh, on a, a medical uh, trial, on a preclinical phase that we are starting to sponsor, <laughs> by which <coughs> uh, premature uh, newborns, uh, babies, um, you know that they are born under big pain, and the first the first thing they they are administered with is opioids. So obviously they get hooked immediately to opioids. We are sponsoring uh, this study by which the doses of opioids is being replaced by cannabis. That's what we're talking about. Yeah, no, uh, we aren't. There's a, <clears throat> you know, it is incredible the impact it's going to have. Now, something you touched on uh, just in that last little bit um, is the future of the inactive licenses, because there's a lot of groups that receive licenses that have not become active. And whenever we speak with the various banks, 
and uh, market observers, really, and even the government, you know, there's really six companies that are very active in the market space and yours and ours and, uh, you know, Medcan and Plan are two of them in the Columbia market. But there's somewhere between 85 and 90 companies that have received or groups that have received some of the licenses and, you know, they can't all become active. And I know the government's concerned about groups that have licenses but don't become active because it's much uh, easier for them to administer a smaller number who are very active in the space. Are you seeing a, a change in the government's attitude towards the companies vis-a-vis the association or industry relations? Because I know we've seen them being very, very cooperative and collaborative and helpful because they see the level of uh, investment that we're making. And I'm sure you're receiving that uh, that visibility as well, but I don't really have the visibility into how other companies that aren't as far along are uh, progressing or seeing as far as government uh, collaboration and industry collaboration. Mm-hmm. I, I, I hope uh, they do it. I mean, but they have all the tools in their hands. I mean, it's just a question of, uh, of increasing the height of the fence. I mean, we are, I think that uh, the six you're referring to, and obviously uh, Plena and Metcan are uh, among the, the six, um, I think that we have no problems to meet whatever provision the regulator wants to ask. We will strive and we will get to the point that we can meet that uh, requirement. Not everybody is prepared and ready to do that. So regulation is a, it's a, it's a way of uh, developing, but also it's a way of controlling and selecting with whom do you want to work. So they, they I mean, without being non-democratic, uh, let's put it that way, by just uh, putting a number behind how many licenses they want to grant. It's as simple as, look, let's ask for this requirement, which we know, I mean, I'm talking from the government side, that only 10 uh, projects are going to meet, more or less. Okay? Yeah, they have a, a natural barrier. The, right? That is, and the government's, I think, coming to the recognition, and it has to look at the licenses from the perspective of, if you'd have your license now for a year or two years, and you haven't started really producing anything or building a facility that's meaningful, why do you have that license? Right? Absolutely. Or how many permits did you got in? Yeah, or how many permits did you got in the way? Because there has also been a lots of uh, misleading information, I believe, and I'm sure you've suffered the, the same, because this market has been sold internationally is that if you had the license, then you could do anything. I mean, a license today in Colombia is a passport without a visa. So yes. You can just look at it and <laughs> but at, at your place. You know, you, you cannot go anywhere with it. That's the point. I mean, after the, 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 the license, you need to get so many registries, permits, quota, you name it. I mean, that, 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 I mean, it's very easy. And uh, we all, the six at least, I'm sure, that we all agree, we support regulation. And we support regulation because it helps to clean up the space from those that are just trying to make short-term, a short-term win. Yes, and, that's, and that's, that regulatory framework is key to industry success because a well-defined, clear industry um, really is what's going to make it impactful to the Colombian economy. And we're out of time for today. John, this has been uh, an excellent discussion. I'd love to have you on again uh, another time in the future to further uh, further look at it. 
But thank you to all our listeners for joining us today. I'm Richard Zwicky with Plena, hosting John Ruiz with MedCan. Thank you very much for joining today. And thank you to everybody for listening. Thank you. It's always a pleasure. The opinions expressed on this CannabisRadio.com program are those of the guests and hosts and do not necessarily reflect those of the staff and management of CannabisRadio.com. Any rebroadcast or redistribution without proper consent of CannabisRadio.com is prohibited. Hear that? Is that America cheering or a sausage patty sizzling to perfection? It's time to cheer for Egg McMuffin and fresh cracked eggs at McDonald's. It's time to wake up to the aroma of freshly baked biscuits and treat yourself to a real honest-to-goodness morning meal. Breakfast, it's on at McDonald's. Now enjoy a large iced coffee for just 2 bucks and a breakfast sandwich to make a meal. Prices and participation may vary. Cannot be combined with any other offer or combo meal. Hear that? Is that America cheering or a sausage patty? sizzling to perfection. It's time to cheer for Egg McMuffin and fresh cracked eggs at McDonald's. It's time to wake up to the aroma of freshly baked biscuits and treat yourself to a real honest-to-goodness morning meal. Breakfast, it's on at McDonald's. Now enjoy a large iced coffee for just two bucks and a breakfast sandwich to make a meal. Prices and participation may vary. Cannot be combined with any other offer or combo meal.